How long have you been a Christian? Long time, you say? Are you still doing nothing but sitting in a pew one hour a week? Well, this is a call for more, as we'll see next from God's Word on Times of Refreshing. For many, they're content to sit in a pew one to two hours a week and think nothing more of it and call themselves a believer in Christ. Yet, as we'll see today out of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, there is a progression of functionality. In other words, as we grow in Christ, we should be growing in our service to Him as well, and it should go hand in hand. This is Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman from The Well, a Christian community here in Livermore. Welcome to our program. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8 is where we find ourselves today as we take a look at the progression of functionality. With today's program, here's Pastor Napoleon. Romans chapter 12, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 on down to 8. And the Lord just dropped this in my spirit. And this is good because, you know, there's people in our church right now that have been in our church that are, that are emerging, that God is raising up. There's a lot of you in this church say God's going to start pulling on you guys, raising you guys up, using you. And it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for for God to start doing something. I was looking at Tavis. Man, it's time. Last night, it's time. That's what I told him. I said right here, I said, man, you got a word from God. You're going to speak tonight. I didn't even give him a chance to pray about it. I said, it's time, brother. God's about to use you. I can see it. Well, for a lot of you. But. What I want all of us to see is the progression to functionality. This is the title of my message. The progression to functionality. It doesn't just happen. A lot of times we try to function in a church solely based on our giftedness. There's a process that all of us have to go through so that we can be useful to God in a certain way, and our use is not short-term, but it's long-term. It's not short-term. You see people, some people, they, they blow up, and then they blow out. Can I have an amen? You look for them, where'd they go? We want long-term use and service to God in our lives. You know, my wife was telling me last night, what was it you last night? We were talking about the man who was 90-something years old, and he was preached his last service. He's 90-something years old. That's how I'm going to be. And the Lord said, you better ask somebody. Saints, but there's a progression. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 8, gives us a good glimpse of this. I'm going to read it down, and then we're going to go through line by line like we normally do. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think what? Soberly. As God has dealt to each one <clears throat> a measure of faith. For, for we, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same what? Function. Office, 
function. He says here, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. He says, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence. Then he says, he who sows, who he shows mercy with what? Cheerfulness. And so when we look at this, this is a picture that I think all of us have to get to as we're, as we're growing and maturing. He says, number one, in verse one, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what? Living sacrifice. Your life is a living sacrifice. There's no way that I could be useful to God long term if I do not have this concept of mine. That my life is to be poured out as a drink offering unto the Lord. I am no longer my own. I have been bought with a price. I am to glorify God in my body and in my spirit, which belongs to him. My life is in his hands now. I am called to be a living sacrifice. This is my lifestyle. This is the way we live. This is the way we think. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It is God. My life is on the altar. Everything I am now is to you. The problem that we have sometimes in church and in ministry is that we leave ourselves with options. Well, if this happens, then I'll do this. Amen? We live ourselves with options. When we give our life to God, we have to leave ourselves with no other option but to be faithful to what he's asking us to do. Amen? And ultimately, this is where it starts. This is where we start in positioning ourselves to properly function within the body. I am a living sacrifice. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about my dream. It's not about how I think. It's about what God is saying to me and how God, in, as a result of me, of result of that, wants me to connect so that I can function and be everything that God wants me to be. So we've got to get this down in our spirits. He says, holy. He says, holy, acceptable to who? To God, which is your reasonable service. Think about this. My biggest concern always in life is not the way you guys view me as much as it is about how God views me. What do you think about this? What are you thinking about this, God? I am called to be holy. It says here, I am called uh, to be a living sacrifice. I want to be acceptable to God. And this is just the reasonable thing to do. When I sat back and analyzed it, this is the way that I start. This is the way that I can truly function and become a blessing to the kingdom long term if I get this started first in my life. Many people do not understand the value of this. And so therefore, when they're going through ministry and when you have hard times in ministry and when you don't feel like preaching or ministering or serving or going to the church or being at church on Sunday about 2.30 and the game starts at 3.30 and it's your team in the Super Bowl. Now, I'm happy we don't have any 49er fans in here, do we? 
Well, we're going to get y'all saved today. The altar is here. <laughs> I knew I should have worn my Raider jacket today. But saints, but, but you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, it's not about me. It's not about what's going on, because we're going to get to this next point. It's not about what's going on in the culture. It's about my service to God. It's about who I am in God and my value because I am a living what? Sacrifice. That's the way I live my life. That's how we have to see this, and this is how we become uh, a blessing to God. This is how we become useful uh, within the church, and we begin to function the way God wants us to function. Look at verse 2. And so the first point is that I have to become a living sacrifice. This is where it starts. Number two. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of what? God. Number two, I must be transformed. Okay? This is a process. The only way that we can truly be transformed is if we stop conforming to the world. There's no transformation without us getting to a place in our lives where we refuse to be conformed by the world. The world is going to pressure us. The world is going to try us. Can I get some AC in here, please? The world is going to try us. The world is going to push against us. The world is going to fight us. The world, but we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Saints of God, resist the culture. Fight the culture. Battle the culture. Make it up in your mind that I am not going to be swayed by the culture. The culture is not going to influence me. I have been ordained to influence the culture. A lot of times people, they talk about Jesus hanging around with publicans and sinners and different things of that nature. He was in their life to influence them. He never was influenced by them. He was there. He was close to them. He dwelt with them. He dwelt among them. But they clearly knew where he stood. They knew he was a holy man. They knew he was a righteous man. They knew that he had the words of eternal life. They knew that he had power that was flowing through his body. They knew all these things about him. Do our friends know that about us? Amen? Because at the end of the day, hey, you want to hang around with publicans, sinners, and, but they need to know where you stand. Can I have an amen? Well, this is... This is the next step in positioning us and placing us in a position where we eventually can begin to function and be effective with our talents, abilities, gifts, so that God can bless us and use us like he wants to use us. We cannot be conformed by the world. It's becoming commonplace now for the people of God just to be carnal, just to be worldly. And then we call that keeping it real. I'm just keeping it well. No, you need to be delivered. And set free. And stop being conformed. And stop being... You know, can I have an amen in this place? And start walking with Jesus for real. This is what he's saying here. Do not be conformed. Then look at, look at number uh, verse 3. We're going to get a point out of this. He says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, now watch this, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Point number three is humility. Look at your neighbor and tell them humility. 
There's no way that I can function if I don't allow myself to become a living sacrifice. If I don't allow myself to be transformed by refusing to be conformed to the world. And there's no way that I can truly function if I don't have a humble spirit and I don't view myself correctly. This is one of the biggest problems. I'm going to say this to you. This is one of the biggest problems that sometimes, you know, I have as a pastor. Because individuals come in the door sometimes and individuals think that they're joining the church to do you a favor. Because I'm bad, man. You know? You know, we can't. <laughs> That's our fault. But people come in high, you know what I mean? When you come into an environment, the best thing to do is take the low or road. That's what Jesus said, that so that when the governor of the feast comes in, he doesn't remove you from your high perch, but takes you from the low perch and elevate. Isn't that what Jesus said? But people come in, I'm a prophet, I'm a priest, I'm a king, I'm a, I'm a deliverer, I'm a sheik, I'm a, I'm a anything you need me to be, I'm powerful, I'll do anything, I'm bad. Well, just sit down right here and listen to me preach for a while. We're going to see if you're bad. Can I have an amen? I'm saying that because I'm, I'm telling you guys this. This is something that is an ill within the church. He said not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but to think soberly. Because God has dealt to everyone the measure of, of, of faith. And what happens for us, we have to come in realizing that it's humility that causes you to prosper. Now, humility is not an outward disposition. It's an inward condition of the heart. This is everything that I am is a result of God. And I am completely and utterly dependent upon God. I can do nothing without God. And it causes us to take the low road. So that God would ultimately exalt us. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you and do what? And do time and season in your life. But what happens is, and I watch this, and I've been, listen saints, I'm not, you guys know. I've preached the gospel all over the world. I've seen this all over the world. Individuals don't realize that the way up in the kingdom is down. We humble ourselves. God turns around and he exalts us. He, he causes people to put the spotlight on you when you're not waving for the spotlight. God does it. And he will continue to do it. And he will bless it. But we have to, this is a step to functionality within the church is when we don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And I know that sometimes, that, you know, a lot of times people, but at the end of the day, saints realize this is how the kingdom works. I want to find out from this Bible how the kingdom of God works. Jesus didn't come riding into Jerusalem in the onset of his ministry coming in pompous. He came. You'd have never known. That's, that's the son of God. He's going to change the world. That's the word made flesh right there. He's sitting in that manger. That's where he's at. Over time, because he humbled himself, himself, took upon himself the form of, 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 hum, of a human and became obedient even to the point of death. After that, God gave him the name that was of, above every name and exalted him. It was a step of humility that calls for his exaltation in human flesh. It's the lifestyle that we have to live. Well, it's, it's the way in which we function. It's the way in which we become useful is Allowing this next step 
to be a part of our hearts. Man, I, I, I want to take the low road. Take the low road. Saints, this is the mindset that we, we have to develop. He says in verse 4, look at this. He says, for as, as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of what? One another. See, he uses this word function. This is powerful. This word here, function, it is the normal or characteristic action of anything. It is the normal or characteristic action of anything. A special duty or performance required in the course of work or activity. It's something being what it is ordained to be. It's something doing what it is ordained to do. This is what is, and for us, it's the same thing. God has placed giftings, talents, ability within us, and then God causes us to begin to function according to that particular ability. And there's faith for that. There's grace for that. But if we start trying to overstep our boundaries, then we'll stop being profitable. We, we are ordained, each one of us, and I love this. And then this is the next point, which is, I think it's point four, is recognize your place in the body. I want to recognize my place in the body. Everybody else has their place. I want to find my place. And I have a specific function. There's a characteristic to my life that people should see as a result of God placing me and connecting me. Because you're going to remember, he's talking about the body, but then he, used the words, he uses the word individually. So God is not, he's concerned about the individual, but the individual has to make the connection to another individual, to another individual, to another individual. And what happens is these individuals begin to function, then it causes the body to really display what Jesus Christ ordained for it to display in the earth. See, a lot of times what we do is we get so busy highlighting our individuality that we don't understand that God has given us individuality so that we can make the connection to other individuals who are going to help the body as a whole to function correctly. Can I have an amen? This is the problem that sometimes we have in the church. This is the problem that we have in society. I mean, we have, we've seen this even on the natural when you watch football. You watch sports. You have a team of 11 people, but then one of them wants to have the spotlight. So then when the coach calls the play for the running back, but the wide receiver wants the ball, the wide, the wide receiver is mad. Why? Because I'm not getting the ball, but he's getting the ball. But what if he scores a touchdown? Well, that's cool, but I wanted to score the touchdown. And this is what happens sometimes in the church. You know, I, I, I'm a part of a body, and I'm supposed to function here, but how come that person is getting to sing all the time, and I can't? But we just scored a touchdown, and five people got saved. But yeah, but it wasn't, wasn't me, though. It's quiet <laughs> up in here. 
saying. But this is, a, this is the ill that we have in the church. And I'm not talking about just the well. All over the place. Everybody wants to be a star. But now we're just doing it with God's business. And now a spirit of entertainment is crept into the church. And we have... I'm sorry, can I just talk about this just for a minute? And so we have whole shows and programs and award ceremonies for who can sing the best. And who has the best sounding music. And now we've taken and we're just emulating the world. And now we're building up a generation that everybody's trying to make a hit. Instead of trying to find out how we can draw God's presence. So now we've developed a performance mentality within the church. And how can I outperform you? And then say, well, praise God, though. Praise God. Praise God. So we're building this. We're making this. And people are questioning, what what is it all about? I thought we were supposed to do what we're doing to the glory of God. Not just to garner votes from man. And so we've overly focused on the individual and not thinking about how this individual is supposed to be connected to this individual so that corporately there can be a certain effect that Jesus will applaud. Can I have an amen? Not just that man will applaud. Because let me say this. A lot of the things that men are applauding, it doesn't even move God. Because God's not just looking at what you did. He's looking at why you did it. Move on, brother. Verse 5, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing, he says, according to the grace that is given to us, he says, let us use them. Point number five, we must use what has been granted to us. Okay? This is important because... Sometimes when it comes to, and we're going to talk about these various gifts, he's going to talk about it, but I want to focus, I don't want to focus primarily on the gift here in this passage of Scripture. I want to focus on our willingness to use what God has given us. I've watched how people will allow fear, insecurity, um, timidity, uh, in some cases offenses, in some cases jealousies, hinder them from allowing God to use them the way that he wants to use them with the ability that's in them. Past hurts. I was hurt before in that other church, so I'm not going to serve in this church. But what about all that gifting that God has placed in you? Yeah, but praise the Lord. I don't trust anybody, so I can't use it. Or, you know, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. If I use it, then people are going to reject me. I can write really well. I can sing really well. I actually can preach. I actually can, you know, I'm a great servant. But I'm just afraid that if I do it, that the people won't accept it. Listen, saints, you're not doing it for the applause of man. You're doing it for the applause of Jesus. Can I have an amen? Some of you all, I'm just going to say this because some of us even, some of you can sing. If God said that you can get away with a joyful noise... Left you without an excuse when you know you can sing and God wants to use your life. Ooh, that just came from the throne. (laughs) Woo, hallelujah. But what happens is, saints, we got to use what God has given us. What happens in the body of Christ is people make an excuse 
for being lazy or fearful or not wanting to allow God to use them. They make it, they excuse themselves from the responsibility that God has placed upon them because he deposited something in their life. A production of the Well Christian Community, this has been Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman. As we close out our time together today, we trust and pray our time together has encouraged you in Christ, has encouraged you in your walk and relationship with Him. If it has, we'd love to hear from you. Now, there are a couple of ways you can get a hold of us. By phone, of course, the easiest, 925-292-7800. Again, you can reach us at 925 925- Two nine two seventy eight hundred. You're also welcome to write to us. Address your envelope to the Well Christian Community, twenty three thirty three Neeson Drive. That's here in Livermore, California. The zip code nine four five five one. Of course, you can always stop by our website. You can learn all about us at thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. You can even take advantage of a few links, one of which will take you to our Facebook page. Or if you're on Facebook, simply look for The Well Christian Community. Don't forget, as you visit our website, take a moment and drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. You can also follow Pastor Napoleon, by the way, on Twitter. His address, at Napoleon Kaufman. All one word, at Napoleon Kaufman. We thank you for spending time with us again today and look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue looking at God's Word for times of refreshing. Until then, may Jesus Christ be highly exalted in your life and may He bring you a peace that passes all understanding. Amen.